Hello and welcome to another episode of Purple Rain, a Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and on today's episode, we're going to be recapping a Vikings loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one. Um, first off, I just want to say I, I apologize for this episode getting out so late. Um, I was planning on getting at least an episode or two out uh, before the game, hopefully on like Friday or Saturday, but work just got super busy, life got super busy, and then uh, nothing really slowed down for me leading up to Sunday and uh, work on Monday. So uh, this is releasing on Monday night. Hopefully, hopefully that's not too late and you're still wanting some more Vikings content. But on this episode, we're going to be going through uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Vikings loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, we're going to be looking ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles game on a short week on Thursday night in Philly. And then I kind of want to go around and uh, take a look at week one, some of my reactions to the uh, each team and, and the outcomes. So if you're not subscribed to Purple Rain, I highly recommend if you want all the Vikings content that you can get, um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you never miss an episode of Purple Rain. Okay, Vikings fans, this is... Um, this is a tough game to swallow. Um, if it makes sense, if it, it feels more like a game the Vikings lost than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. Uh, Kirk Cousins had two fumbles and a interception, so three turnovers. And it just, the offense kind of seemed anemic at times and couldn't really get moving or get started. And then we'd have these flashes, but it almost kind of felt like some of the games we had last year where first drive, I mean, didn't happen this game, but first drive, we drive down the field and we score and we look unstoppable and then like nothing for an entire quarter. And then we kind of like prop up and then nothing for an entire quarter. And then we got to come back and then we have a, an amazing final drive. It's like Kevin O'Connell's offense just, it feels like we've never really been able to put together a game from like start to finish where like our offense just looks like it's just running. It's always these flashes of brilliance and they've been very timely flashes, especially last year with the 11 um, one score uh, games that we won. But uh, yeah, it kept, it just kind of felt the same from last year. I'm I'm very upset with this loss, but uh, I feel, you know, last year in our opener against the Green Bay Packers, we beat the Packers 23 to 7. I was drinking the purple Kool-Aid. I overreacted to week 1. Um I remember texting my friends and being like, "Oh my god, dude, this offense is unstoppable and our defense looks just like a stalwart." Now, you know, obviously two, three weeks later after we got thumped by the Eagles. Uh, I was singing a different tune. Um, I definitely overreacted. I mean, our offense was good. I'm pretty sure we were top 10 last year, but the defense was like the second worst defense in the league. So um, I don't know. I, I want there to be a little bit of optimism going into week two and the rest of the season. I I don't know. I I have some takeaways, and that'll be in the good, the bad, and the ugly section here so you know what let's just 
why don't we just move on to that? And I, I will start off with the good here just because um, it was a loss. So I kind of want to talk about the, I'll probably harp more on the bad and the ugly. So the good for the Minnesota Vikings, our defense for the most part, looks improved um it doesn't look vanilla we're constantly moving players around i mean i feel like every time i was seeing our defense on the field josh metellus was lining up at safety he was lining up at nickel he was lining up at linebacker i mean it was just insane and then um byron murphy jr had a decent game caleb evans had some pretty good pass deflections against mike evans that's a pretty tall order for um i mean he was a rookie last year, but he really only played a handful of games before he got hurt. So he stepped up in a big way going, going up against the future hall of famer. Our defensive line surprised me. I mean, we, I think the, the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had like half the yards per play than the Vikings did. And if you just, I don't even think they had more than like 60 rushing yards like the Vikings defensive line really shut them down in that area. And that was one of my biggest concerns coming into the season was seeing how that off that defensive line was going to work without Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, and inserting, I mean, Jonathan Bullard was fine last year. I'd much rather have him be more so a rotational depth player, but he had a good game. Harrison Phillips was on fire. Dean Lowry, his PFF grade was pretty horrid. I mean, I think it was in the 40s, but I didn't really see it on tape, but that's why there's people who get paid a hell of a lot more than me that understand the game better, and apparently he didn't do very well. But Ivan Pace Jr., just a phenomenal debut at linebacker, and he got the start. He got the nod. Uh, I I mean, did Brian Osamoa, did he tweak his injury, or were they just trying to like – because he didn't get a lot of snaps in the in the preseason where they trying to slowly bring him along. I mean, was he even out there for five, 10 snaps on defense? I never saw him. I mostly saw Jordan Hicks and Ivan Pace, and they both played really well, I thought. So I guess in the good, I would say on the defensive side, it looks improved. Now, that might come down when we're facing a Jalen Hurts, a Pat Mahomes, a Justin Herbert. I mean, we were going up against Baker Mayfield. So take that with a grain of salt. Let's let's see what happens. But for the most part, it looks improved. I mean, I don't think we're going to be 30th in the league this year. And like I said, at the beginning of the season or in the preseason, I'm just hoping for like the 20th best defense. I mean, that would be great if our offense can turn things around and play to the potential that they they should be playing at. So another part of the good section here, I'm going to flip over to the offensive side. For the amount of faults that we had in this game, the one bright side was Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison looks like the real deal. Um Four catches for 61 yards and a touchdown on that touchdown pass. I mean, the dude just got schemed wide open. It was great. You have to pick your poison between JJ and JA. I mean, it's uh, that kid. If he can stay healthy and he can, you know, kind of get his legs underneath them as the season goes on. I think we got something there. I think we got a really good running mate with Justin Jefferson. Speaking of Justin Jefferson, dominant as ever. Um, Nine catches for like 150 yards, but I don't want to get into the into the bad and ugly quite yet. But I will say 
he I think he had like seven catches for 130 something yards going into halftime. Ended with nine and a buck fifty. You know, so only a catch or two and fourteen more yards in the second half. Doesn't that remind you of last year? I mean, I feel like that happened all the time. It's like he would have these huge quarters, these huge halves, and then it would be like, we're not going to throw the ball to JJ anymore. I mean, shit. Look at Tyreek Hill and Tua in in Miami. Tua almost almost threw for 500 yards. He kept throwing it to Tyreek Hill no matter if he was covered. And Tyreek Hill had like 13 catches for like 200 plus yards and two touchdowns. JJ could do that if they actually threw him the ball. All right. That's about the amount of good that I have from this game. Oh, and don't let me forget Brian Flores. is. I kind of briefly broached the subject, but his play calling compared to last year when we had a Donatel looks vastly improved. So uh, I love to see that. <sighs> Let's move on to the bad. So in this section of the bad section, I would probably put Kevin O'Connell's play calling dude. These screens, they're not working. They didn't work at all last year. I mean, the only time I feel like they worked was against was it the Colts where Dalvin Cook had like a 65-yard screen pass touchdown? But other than that, it's like anytime we run a tight end screen, wide receiver screen, running back screen, we're losing five yards. I mean, they're getting blown up right away. So quit getting so cute with it. You know, just <laughs> stay away from the from the screen game. How about you like work on that a little more before you start calling the three or four of them per game because they're not working. Um, another thing is Kirk Cousins looked rusty to me. I mean, yeah, he had a huge amount of yards, 340, 350 yards and two touchdowns or whatever, but um, he was kind of missing some of his throws. And I think that's what happens when you don't play at all during the preseason. I mean, I actually do think it'd be beneficial. I, he doesn't have to be every single game. All, or all three games, but could it be the final preseason game where he could get in there for a series or two and just kind of, I don't know, get his feet wet, shake some of the rust off. But I don't know. He he just looked a little rusty to me. And a part of me also doesn't like the fact that he just kind of sits there and stews by himself on the sideline. And, you know, I guess I'm just... I've had a little bit bit too much of Kirk Cousins in my life now. I mean, this is like year six or seven with with Kirk on this team. And, you know, Fox or CBS always panning over to him pouting on the sideline. I'm tired of seeing that, dude. It's like just buck up and have a conversation with someone and quit stewing by yourself. Like, I just don't think that's that's helping the, the team at all. I mean, all it shows is like, oh, one of our leaders is frustrated like, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think it shows perseverance like at all. So I'd and maybe I'm just like not seeing maybe he's actually doing that. But it feels like the only shots that we're getting on these programs is of him just pouting. And listen, I'm not a Kirk hater. I'm not a Kirk stan either. I'm very meh about him. But I just I just feel like he he can't continue to do that because behavior is to your teammates. So if you're feeling like that and you're a leader and you're showing that body language, not every guy is going to emulate that, but there might be some that do, and that's not good. 
it's bad. That's why it's in the bad section. Okay. I would say let's move on to the ugly. I'm sure you guys are going to guess what the ugly is. The offensive line is horrid. It's terrible. It's been a problem for the last decade, and it hasn't been addressed. Our tackles are great. Brian O'Neill, pro bowler, looked really good coming back from his partially torn Achilles. Christian Derrissaw looked like he was doing pretty good. He did end up injuring his ankle, which I'm starting to get a little bit of durability concerns with him because it feels like it's not like the same thing he's always injuring. It's something different every year. And I mean, he's nicked up a lot. So I just hope that he can stay healthy because I feel like for him to reach his full potential, he has to be on the field to do that. So regardless, though, our tackles are amazing. The interior, we got a lot of work to do, folks. It's it's not good. Garrett Bradbury played seven snaps on on Sunday, and they weren't very good. And then he leaves with a back injury. I thought those. I thought the back injury was a thing of the past, you know. And nope, it's popping up again. And that's not good because I've never heard somebody ever say I used to have a bad back. Like when you got a bad back, it pretty much lingers for quite a long time, and it's not something that goes away. It's just you you kind of manage it. So that's something to watch, guys. Like I feel like going throughout the season, depending on his health, you know, if he can, if he comes back, and maybe I'm wrong, and he just doesn't have another injury, but if it's like, you know, a lot of like stop and go each week with with whether or not he's going to he's going to play uh, that three year, 50 million dollar contracts not looking very good. OK, now we have to have the conversation of Ezra Cleveland and Ed Ingram. Ezra Cleveland actually didn't do too bad. His PFF score was decent. I think it was like in the 60s. Um but I, I just know that he's not consistent enough. Like he's his run blocking is so good that it makes up for his pass blocking. So, but we didn't really even run the ball that much or effectively. So it just kind of trumps the score that he gets. Like I feel like I'd much rather have a higher pass blocking uh, guard than a run blocking guard, just because that's the focus of our offense. But you know what? You guys have heard my thoughts on Cleveland before. Ed Ingram needs to go. Uh, It's another failed draft pick by Kwesi. Lewisine, now Ed Ingram, and, you know, a few few others, like, they're starting to uh, stack up. And Ed Ingram, like, what are you doing, man? You're stepping on Kirk Cousins' feet last year. Now you're swiping at his hand and causing a fumble. It's a mess. His technique is a mess. He's his PFF grade was like 47 or something like that. Like it was horrendous. I if I were the Vikings, which also it didn't make any sense why they didn't do this from the start when they brought the guy in for a visit. You need to sign Dalton Reisner. You know, the funny thing, I don't know if you guys have read this story, but a lot of Vikings fans on Twitter or I guess formerly Twitter now X They've been having conversations about like, it's time to bring in Reisner, sign Reisner. And Reisner's actually been responding to those tweets and saying like, I'm ready. Yep. I'm ready for a phone call. Like he's like interacting, like he wants to be 
a part of the Vikings. He sees obviously game one, the struggles that we're having and Reisner. And, and that's the thing. He's always scored relatively high uh, on a PFF grade. Um, but he's like the inverse of Ezra Cleveland, where he's a great, absolute great pass blocker, but very meh as a run blocker. So I really don't know what they're going to do. I think this is too short of a week to ask him to come in and, and I mean, not even start, but just come in and be a backup uh, with the Eagles on Thursday night. So I would, I mean, I would probably sign him at the end of this week. I mean, I don't care. I think they have like 10 million plus dollars in, in cap space. I mean, give the guy like 6 million for the year. I mean, I don't know. Like, I bet you it would be worth it, right? And then also, I was I was watching the Bills and Jets tonight, and I forgot that they ended up drafting that Osiris Torrance from Florida. Was, I think he was like a second-round rookie guard now, and he's starting for them. And then Ryan Bates is now the backup. The Vikings almost signed Ryan Bates like two years ago, and Ryan Bates is like a, an above-average guard. Could you toss them like a draft pick? I don't know. They probably like him as a versatile backup, but could you toss them like a fifth round pick for see that's the thing is like you you're starting to accumulate these draft picks now. Like I know we didn't have a lot this previous year, but now it's like beyond the third round. We have like two fourth rounders, two fifth rounders, two sixth rounders. It's like, dude, just send like a fourth or a fifth. I don't care. Over to Buffalo to get a, a starting guard, someone who is better than Ed Ingram. He, I mean, he just has, from the one game, he hasn't shown any improvement as far as I could see. And like I said, seeing him playing in the uh, preseason game and getting snaps, the only started to do that, that, I was already sounding the alarm bells. So I don't know, guys. I think we need to bring in Reisner. I mean, hell, Jason Peters, I believe he's still out there. And he, I mean, he played left tackle, but I'm pretty sure when he played for the Bears, he's playing guard. He's a behemoth. Chris Reed, like, why can't we just cut him? Why are we even rostering him? He's on the IR right now. He wasn't, he was MIA all summer long. Like, when he comes back, he's even going to be the same. Cut Chris Reed, sign Dalton Reisner, bring in Jason Peters for a workout to make sure that he's still in shape and that he can possibly play on the offensive line, and then maybe sign him and cut somebody else. I mean, cut Kane Wongwu. I mean, we probably don't even need him anymore for kickoffs. I mean, nobody's really even taking kickoffs out anymore. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably just, I'm on my soapbox now, but the offensive line is really maddening because it's been this this problem that the Vikings have been trying to fix even before the Quezzi and, and KOC era with, you know, Spielman and Zimmers. Like, they've always just been, like, piecemealing it and putting tackles, playing as guards and and there's like that one year where I think it was when we went to the NFC championship with Keenum, where our offensive line was actually decent, but it wasn't great or even good. So it's just really hard to continue watching the same thing happen over and over and over again. Like he rarely Kirk cousins, that is rarely has time to scan the full field and I mean, he is known for holding onto the ball for way too long, but I mean, some of those are just like, can you hold your flipping block, man? So it's, it's frustrating as a, as a Vikings fan to, to see that year after year after year, especially with the high draft capital that we've invested in some of these picks in K 
Garrett Bradbury. I mean, we took him with like the 19th overall pick. Even if I would consider Garrett Bradbury a decent starter in this league, he he's a bust. He he didn't he did not live up to a first round pedigree. Uh, Ed Ingram, a second round pick, obviously he's a bust. I mean, he's he's shown no improvement. I don't know what's going to have to happen. I mean, I'd love for him to prove me wrong and make me eat crow and surprise me, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, like other than that, I mean, we've had a lot of. We swing and miss a lot in the third and fourth round on these guys. So I don't know what to to do at this point. It's, I mean, I just laid out what we should do in the short term, like this year. But like moving forward, I don't, I mean, I it, it hurts my head to even think about it, guys. But that is the ugly section. Our offensive line is putrid. It's absolutely putrid. So obviously I was wrong about the Vikings winning the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Vikings lose 20 to 17. We're on, like I said, beginning of the episode, short week heading to Philly um, on a Thursday night, Philly. I, I still think the Vikings lose this game and I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but like I said, short week away game um, still have question marks on the offensive line. Derisaw might not even play. Bradbury's probably not going to play. I mean, I hope Davenport plays. He ended up on the injury list like last second, but we clearly need him because DJ Wanham and Pat Jones could not generate any pressure when they were out there. So it'd be nice if Daniil Hunter had a running mate with him like he did last year in Zadarius Smith. So, yeah, I I still predict that we're going to lose, but... Just hear me out, guys. Let's still, I, I even though I, I think we're going to start the season 0-2, let's not sound the alarm bells, okay? I know I probably sound very negative and pessimistic here, but I'm still optimistic on the outcome of this season. We have a lot of work to do. The Vikings have the Chargers and the Panthers as the next two games after the Eagles. And we get an extended or kind of like a mini buy with playing on Thursday. So um, I'm pretty sure I have those as wins as my on my initial prediction of the season. And I'm going to keep those the same. So, I mean, we're going to start out 0-2 potentially, potentially. They could surprise us. But I think there's a good chance we become 2-2. You know, like and like I said, my, my final prediction was this team was going to be 10-7. And, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say it'd be out of the realm for the Vikings to be like eight and nine or something, eight, and nine or 11 and six. I mean, who knows? Like, you know, be a couple of games a piece, but overall um, the Vikings shot themselves in the foot on Sunday. They lost that game more than the Buccaneers won that game. Um, but you know what? We got to be onward. We got to face the Eagles on Thursday night and let's just make it competitive. Let's, let's not get embarrassed like we did last year in week two against the Eagles. Let's, let's make competitive and you know, it'd be, it'd be great if we could eke out a win. It'd be phenomenal. So, and so this week I plan to have a preview of the Eagles game. I would love to do like a depth chart breakdown between for the, for the Eagles and where we stack up position wise. Um, I'd also like to get an episode out, uh, speculating the potential, the potential. And like I said, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything, but the potential of the Vikings 
starting the season with a pretty terrible record. I mean, things can go south pretty fast when your schedule's this tough right away. But let me tease this episode with what if the Vikings lose against the Eagles? Okay, let's say they win against the Panthers. Chargers look tough. What if they lose against the Chargers? What if they lose against the Chiefs? What if the Vikings are one and four or one and five? Do you think about tanking? Do you think about Caleb Williams? Do you think about Drake May? The only quarterback signed next year is or are Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins. Kirk Cousins isn't coming back. What do you think? What do you think, guys? Shit goes south. Do we just flush the, the season down the toilet? I don't know. I think it's kind of intriguing, but I'll be teasing that uh, this week. And then hopefully on Thursday night, I can get my reaction to the game. I don't know if it'll post it on Thursday night, but I'll probably try to get it out on Friday or maybe Saturday, depending on how big I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going out of town um, Friday. So, and I work Friday morning, so it might be kind of tough to record and edit and publish by Thursday night or Friday morning. So it might be a, a later reaction kind of, kind of like this one, but um, let's take a look at week one. We'll do a little rapid fire, quick reactions to each game. Okay. Before I sign off here. All right. Week one Raiders Broncos Broncos offense kind of seemed the same. They scored 16 points. They lost 17, six to the Raiders. Um, Jimmy G's a winner. Uh, I think the Raiders could be kind of feisty, but um, we'll just have to, to wait and see. It looked like Jacoby Myers was fitting in really well and has some good chemistry with uh, Jimmy G. The Cowboys absolutely demolished the Giants 40-0 to on Sunday night football. The Cowboys look legit. The Giants look like frauds. The Eagles eked out a win against the Patriots 25 to 20. Um, they, I think they might've been a little banged up, but the Patriots look very similar to last year. They look like a seven and 10 team, nothing spectacular. The Eagles, however, they do look like they might've taken a step back, but we'll see. It's just, just one game. The track meet between the dolphins and chargers was a phenomenal game. The dolphins won 36 to 34, uh, Austin Eckler was phenomenal in that game, but more so, like I mentioned before, Tua, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I mean, the Dolphins might be a threat in the AFC. Packers beat Bears 38-20. The score looks a lot closer than it actually was. Are the Packers that good or are the Bears just that bad? Rams won 30-13 against the Seahawks. Or were the Seahawks a one-year wonder, a fluke? Titans lose the Saints 16-15. to uh, Derek Carr looked pretty good in his his debut with the Saints. Ravens beat the Texans. Lamar Jackson looked pretty bad, and J.K. Dobbins is probably out for the year. C.J. Stroud looked okay. Jacksonville beat the Colts. Colts looked pretty impressive and put up a good fight, but Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. Commanders eke out a win against the Cardinals. Sam Howell looked decent. Cardinals put up a good fight, but ultimately fell. The Falcons ended up beating the Panthers, Bryce Young, I believe, tossed two interceptions. He had some ups and downs, but uh, Tyler Algier looked pretty freaking phenomenal. Bijan Robinson got involved. Desmond Ritter still looked like a you know subpar quarterback. I mean, he had like a hundred throwing yards, but he's a game manager. So, um, but I mean, they they are a young team and have a lot of talent. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the wide open NFC South with the Falcons. 
Uh, 49ers absolutely demolished the Steelers 30 to seven. I watched part of that game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk looks improved even from last year and Christian McCaffrey has not skipped a beat. He, he looks like a full go and Brock Purdy is starting to prove some of the people that were doubting him, you know, thinking that he might be a one-year wonder and he's driving this, you know, uh, luxurious car, you know, it doesn't have to be a phenomenal quarterback, but Watching that game, he he still looks like the real deal. He looks really good. Uh, Browns demolished the Bengals 24-3. to um, Burrow, Chase, and company looked anemic on offense. They couldn't get anything going. Uh, Burrow became the highest-paid uh, player in the NFL three days ago, and then uh, on game day, he ends up getting benched. I mean, he wasn't, like, benched, but they just pulled him out of the game because – they're already they weren't going to win it and they put in Jake Browning. Uh wonder if they can bounce back. That'll be a very interesting storyline to see uh, if uh anything happens with their their offense and if there's something there. But uh Browns not impressive. Deshaun Watson still looks like a middling quarterback. Uh he's not the Deshaun Watson that we used to know before the injuries and the scandals, but um Nick Chubb obviously is one of the best running backs in the league and the Browns defense is for real. So they might be a tough team. Uh, And then I actually meant to get an episode out last week with my reaction to the Lions and Chiefs game. So yeah, my quick thoughts on them. I think the Chiefs lost this game more than the Lions won. Kind of the same deal with the Bucks and the Vikes game that I was mentioning before. Um, The Lions basically faced the Chiefs B team. I mean, they didn't have Travis Kelsey and they didn't have Chris Jones. So the number one weapon on the offense and the number one defensive player on the defense uh, who's plugging up the middle. So I think it would have been a different story. Also, I've never seen wide receivers drop so many passes. Uh, Kadarius Tony, I, I remember texting one of my buddies and saying, I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I am flipping pissed off right now at Kadarius Tony. He had like three or four drop passes. I mean, it was just egregious. It's like, get him off the team. Like, get him out of here. That's 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 insane. I think if they wouldn't have invested like a third-round pick trading him last year, and then he had like a pretty awesome punt return that set up a touchdown in the, in the Super Bowl that, you know, helped in, in them winning the game. So I, I, they're not going to give up on him in, in game one, but it's it's a bit of an overreaction. But I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy single-handedly cost a pick six and dropping wide open passes. And it was just really bad on the flip side though. I don't think the lions are anyone to sleep on. I still think that they're like, maybe not a contender, but they're, they're uh, like a super bowl contender, but I do think that they could be at the top of the NFC North between uh, Vikings Packers potentially, because the Packers still have a good defense and, and, and the Lions. So, uh, I don't know. Jared Goff looked pretty po- uh, poised in in the pocket, and they they got weapons. Their defense looks, you know, at least a little bit more improved. The secondary isn't just getting gashed for yards, but it'll be interesting to see how this Lions team uh, continues to evolve throughout the year. And I'm, I'm it's not that I'm not a Dan Campbell fan, but I mean he 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 gets a response from his players, but at the same time. He just he just screams like assistant coach to me. I don't know. He just doesn't seem like a guy that you want running your your uh, your football team. He's just he's kind of a meathead to me. But you know what? What do I know? 
And then uh, the last game here, it's not done, but the Bills are beating the, the Jets 13-6. to And big news, Aaron Rodgers, first drive, went down with an injury. Um, and it was an ankle injury. He got carted to the locker room. They're doing x-rays. And now there's a report that just came out. Let's see if they uh, if they updated it. Nope, it just it's still says Jets QB expected to have MRI on Monday. Rogers injury may be Achilles. Oof, that would be that'd be devastating. I actually was kind of excited to see him work in that offense with so many weapons, but uh, even in that first drive, I mean, I watched Hard Knocks and th- they were always ripping the offensive line. That offensive line was just letting guys through, and obviously Rogers is used to. Like one of the best offensive lines in the league with Batiari, Elton Jenkins, and um, Brian Bulaga, and all these like above average players and and star players. So I hope that he's not injured for the rest of the year because it, it would be cool to see like what the Jets can do with that offense. Because whenever Zach Wilson is that quarterback for the Jets, they're really hard to watch because they can never move the ball. But um, my buddy who's a Packers fan, he just texted, he was texting our group chat and said something about like, he's pretty sure. And I'd have to like confirm this. So I don't know if this is true, but it sounds right. He said that with the trade, there's like a stipulation very similar to like what the Colts had when they traded for Carson Wentz, where it's like, he's got to play a certain percentage of the snaps for the year. And it turns into like a, another draft pick. But for the Rogers trade, he was saying that he Rogers has to play 60%, 60% of the snaps this year. And if he doesn't, then the Packers have to eat like this huge cap hit or something, or like this dead money. I I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look into it, but um, that definitely gets interesting. And, and the only reason why I mentioned that is because that obviously affects, you know, that's a rival of the Vikings, the NFC North, that, that would affect their ability to, retain players and sign players if they potentially end up in cap hell. And I mean, that obviously helps the Vikings. So um, TBD there, but all right, guys, uh, that concludes the, this episode of purple rain, a Minnesota Vikings podcast. We just went through the Vikings week one loss against the bucks 20 to 17. I know it was tough to, to go through that again, um, but you know what? I know, and I'll, I know I'm a little bit negative right now because I said we're gonna lose to the Eagles. But uh, you know, keep keep your heads high, keep your heads high, and uh, I I think uh, good things are are on the horizon. But like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you are not subscribed, I highly recommend that you subscribe to this podcast so you don't ever miss an episode. And then. The best way to support the podcast is to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's greatly appreciated and it will help grow the show. All right, guys, I'm signing off for the night. And until next time, Skull Vikings.